welcome back. Welcome to the podcast and to the fifth Sunday of Easter. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope everybody out there is getting vaccinated. We got some good news on the CDC guidelines front this week. Those that have been vaccinated can hang out in small groups together outside without masks. So that's really, really encouraging. And I cannot wait for all of us to be able to uh, have more events together and to to see each other and to do more things, whether that's outside or inside. Speaking of that, we do have a survey going right now. It's up on the Facebook page or in the group chat. If you can't find it, you can go to the uh, you can go to Instagram or go to the website or send us a message, and we'll be sure to link that. And it just has some questions about uh, your preferences in returning and how comfortable you are in coming back to church on a more regular basis. So that's out there. Uh, looking to. Um, make a decision, you know, in the next few days on kind of how that survey goes. All right. Well, it is the fifth Sunday of Easter, and we are in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. As an angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, at noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to an Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? And then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with the passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord Spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself in Azotus. He traveled through that area preaching the good news in all the cities until he reached Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Okay, this is one of my all-time favorite Bible stories. It just throws us into this captivating scene where uh, the, the characters are great. The setting is incredibly bizarre. There's a ton of movement with uh, the eunuch going from Jerusalem in this carriage, Philip stumbling upon it, getting in the carriage, them coming across water in the desert. And this story is just overflowing with grace and love and potentiality. It also gives us really interesting questions about what is really going on in this text. Why is the Ethiopian eunuch going to Jerusalem for this pilgrimage? Where did the eunuch get this scroll of Isaiah from? I mean, we just kind of assume that since he's responsible for the treasury that he has some money. Uh, where did the water in the desert come from? And 
where does what is packed in this scene of of baptism? What does that mean? And then where in the world does Philip go? The the spirit at the end just sort of like ejects Philip from the scene. So there's all of this really interesting stuff going on in this text. And I want to look at this text from uh, a perspective of who is belonging in this new world of the Spirit in in the book of Acts. Uh, The eunuch would have been excluded from the people of God according to the law. So who, who belongs in this story? We, I mean, we find Philip and, and this eunuch in the story as our two characters, and both in their own way are people who do not belong. So the eunuch would have been excluded from the people of God according to the law in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Deuteronomy 23 says, No one who is emasculated or has a male organ cut off can enter the assembly of the Lord. So anybody that fit this gender non-binary would have been excluded. So we assume that when the eunuch gets to Jerusalem, uh, because he or she is gender non-binary, he or she is excluded from entering the temple. The cultural and religious powers would let him know that he or she did not belong. And not only is he uh, an outsider here, he's a cultural outsider from, from Ethiopia, which makes him maybe even more of an outcast outcast. And this kind of prejudice against those who are gender non-binary was pervasive not only in Jewish religious culture because of the law, but also in the w- Roman world as well. The first century author Pliny the Elder was known for making some awful comments about eunuchs in his own day. So we, we have to ask ourselves maybe, what is this eunuch thinking or expecting as he or she is reading the scroll of Isaiah, if, if he or she knows the, the text and would have presumably known that the law excluded him or her from entering the temple, what is the eunuch thinking or expecting? And he's reading in this story a piece from Isaiah 53, but a lot of scholars point out that our Acts narrative really parallels Isaiah 56, and I'll read a little bit from this. The Lord says, act justly and do what is righteous because my salvation is coming soon and my righteousness will be revealed. Happy is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not making it impure and avoids doing any evil. Do not let the immigrant who has joined with the Lord say, the Lord will exclude me from the people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. The Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, Choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant. In my temple and courts, I will give them a monument and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an enduring name that will not be removed. So this person who is told, you do not belong. You do not belong to this religious family. You do not, you are not allowed in the temple rejected by culture, rejected by parts of scripture, also finds in scripture that the Lord says, you belong. I will erect a monument. And maybe when he or she got to the temple and the temple turned him away, you know, maybe they said, you know, it's nothing personal, just the Bible says. And so he or she leaves rejected, scroll in hand that says, wait, I do belong. The Lord says, I belong. 
and maybe he has she has valid questions about what this rejection and being outcast actually means in the carriage on the way away from Jerusalem, wondering how he or she is rejected and why God is lying in this text about inclusion. Why would the Lord say, I will erect a monument? Why am I rejected? It says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, I will remain loyal to my covenant. And yet in this carriage ride away from the temple, it doesn't feel like God's keeping God's covenant here. And I think this background is one of the reasons why this story is always incredibly powerful because this movement of God's spirit in the desert comes in the context of what the church and empire says, you do not belong. I mean, has the church been more faithful to our Bibles today than the love of God? Have we been more faithful to our cultural perceptions and judgments than to the diversity of God's creation? Have we been more faithful to the boundaries of what we are comfortable with than the queerness of God? So each week I, I read a fair amount of commentaries to see what other scholars or people are saying about a particular text. And I came across a couple of commentaries this week that said we should not focus on the eunuch's non-gender binary status in this text as the main thing that's happening here, but instead we should focus on the baptism or the good news or the encounter with Philip. But you can't understand the spirit of God and the power of love in the baptism scene if we don't understand the context of the eunuch being outcast because of his or her non-binary status. <laughs> it is it is the, the fact that the law and the people that are following the Jewish law exclude the eunuch from the temple that gives the story its context of this person does not belong in the religious structure, in the religious promise that the scroll of Isaiah is giving to the eunuch, that God will create a monument, that God will restore a covenant between the eunuch. Even though the law says the eunuch is to be excluded from the temple, Yahweh, the Lord says, I will create a monument for you. And then with this promise, the eunuch is rejected. And then we we come into the scene infused with that bad news. And then God's spirit in the desert saying, no, you do belong. And that is where the power of this story gets it from. And if we can't see how this is the most important message for our, our church, it, widely church, um, but also Mission Hills, to, to get, to understand that it is the queerness of God. It is the, the movement of God's spirit in the places that the church in our society and our culture exclude, that that's where God's spirit moves. If we can't get that, then we're not understanding the power of the good news here. So it is in this context that the church, capital C Church, Mission Hills Church, has to keep our eyes and ears open. Because we still have a church, broadly speaking, that says the exact same thing. Well, the Bible says, you know, to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, the Bible says this. I'm sorry, you know, I'm just, just following the text here, right? I mean, it's the exact same thing as going on 2,000 years ago. Oh, the Bible says. Uh, you know, I, I harp on it all the time, but Baylor University, I mean, their, 
website will say, you know, we cre create want to create a caring environment for our LGBTQ student body and our students, uh, but we still affirm the traditional view of biblical marriage between one man and one woman. You can't have it both ways. God's spirit in love is moving to the margins of what society and religious law, structures, system excludes. In the church, in the 21st century, in the U.S., is what I'm speaking to, still excludes our gender non-binary people. And that is bad news. And so if we can't see how you can't have good news without understanding the context of the bad news, then I don't know if there's much hope for us because then we're just going to be lost in our own thing. So the context of this story and in the context of you know, 2021 American Christianity, we have to be challenged by where God's loving spirit is on the move, in the desert, in the margins. And the question is whether or not we want to join what's happening out there. Because it's not happening in church and it's not happening in the temple. God's love and life is moving on the margins with those who are outcast by the religious establishment, by the cultural norms, by the prejudices that we have. And, you know, the eunuch is not the only outcast in the story. Philip was also an outcast. He was, in, in Acts, called to be server of the poor of the apostles. One of my New Testament professors wrote a little bit about this. He says, you know, J Jesus has specifically commissioned the 12 apostles. They were devoted to word and prayer, so much so that when a dispute in Acts 6 rose over how to d distribute food, they punted. It didn't occur to them that Jesus appeared to them as one who serves at the table in Luke, was to be their model. Readers who have dialed into Jesus's upside-down kingdom, the place where the servants rule, would know to keep an eye for, out for the table servers. They would not be taken off guard when Acts unfolds the surprising storyline that those who were commissioned to go from Jerusalem to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, the apostles, simply hang out in Jerusalem while everyone else gets pushed into the mission of God in Judea and Samaria by persecution, Acts uh, 8. So in this story, we pick up with one of the table servers, Philip, who is sent far out into the wilderness from the controversies of food distribution and his navigation of linguistic and cultural tensions. He first brings the gospel to Samaria in Acts, 4, or Acts 8, 4, in the fulfillment of Jesus' promise and command in Acts 1. The Spirit sends him to this peculiar eunuch who will carry the, mass the message into Africa. The deacon uh, turns out to be the true apostle. So Philip is an outcast of an outcast and wondering where he fits in in all of this. Uh, those who were called to be disciples and close to Jesus, are they're arguing about religion in Jerusalem, while Philip, the, in the unordained, the untrained, the unexpected, go out in, into the desert to encounter the living presence of God. Philip was an outcast, cast out. Uh, so in this story, we have two outcasts in the desert affirming the divine life where others see no life. I mean, this, I, this is good news. I mean, this is challenging. That, God, that God's wild love is unconcerned about our culture and our 
history, our religion, what we think about our sacred texts, because the Spirit of God is creating expansive, transformative encounters with the hidden reality of God, which is manifest in the encounter of what is deemed queer or other. It is the desert that is teeming with the Spirit-filled waters of baptism. And in this story, maybe maybe saving Philip as much as the eunuch. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the desert places that we refuse to go to today? How does our society or church miss the wild, untamed places where God's Spirit is already transforming our world in compassion and justice? How do we avoid encountering the queerness of God or those that we consider unredeemable. You know, in this story, kind of towards the end, Philip gives good news to this eunuch who has received nothing but bad news. You're out. Go home. You don't belong. Uh, but Philip, he like hops in this chariot with him. And maybe that just reminds us that presence often means more than our words do. And they're sitting in this chariot and they stumble upon water in the desert. And, and then it's this brilliant, brilliant scene where the eunuch is the one who initiates the question, what keeps me from being baptized? I love that it's the, the outcast outcast that has the spiritual awareness and presence of the moment to ask such a bold question on a move like that. There's water. What prevents me from being baptized? I think we're, if we're attentive, it's the questions and spiritual prodding of outsiders and uh, deemed unholy places today where the Holy Spirit pulls us from our comfort, the prejudices that linger within, or our pious acts of social justice that make us feel good. It's the questions that pull us out. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us second-guess our own comfort. Are we listening to the Spirit today asking us to come out to the desert places? What prevents me from being baptized, he says. And then, brilliant, silence, nothing. And I'm sure you notice that verse 37 is, is missing. 37 is taken out. And, but I like to think that God speaks what we need to hear in the silence of this verse. That there's no verse 37. I think the obvious answer is that, that nothing prevents the eunuch from being baptized. You belong. Just as no one is excluded from the body of Christ in the community of humanity, even when the vast majority of the church today still discriminates and excludes our queer brothers and sisters from participating in the full life of the, chur- full life of the church, you belong. This is God's message to the eunuch. This is the experience of baptism in the desert between the Philip and the eunuch. What prevents me from being baptized? Nothing. And as you all know, Mission Hills, uh, we believe that the LGBTQ community is beloved and a necessity to our shared humanity and the very sight of God's presence and spirit in our world. Baptism is good news that you belong that we all belong. 
The church says you do not belong. Political systems say you do not belong. The Spirit of God says you belong. The story of baptism in the desert with this wild encounter between God's Spirit and two outcasts teaches us about the wild and untamed spirit of the inclusivity of a loving God who's calling us away from our egos, our opinions, our categories, certainties, and into the beautiful queerness of creation in which everything is infused with the potentiality of grace. The eunuch and Philip experience this spirit-filled love that beats down the boundaries of their holy scripture and cultural prejudice. And so can God's spirit still move us like this? Can it still strip us of our neatly constructed personas and move us beyond our boundaries of what we think is possible? God's spirit is always, always moving on the margins, baptizing those deemed unholy by the rest of us and experiencing the fullness of life in all creation. So can this wild love transform us here and now? May the Spirit of God remind you this morning that you belong, that our LGBTQ plus sisters and brothers belong. May we continue to let the Spirit open us to life in the places that we dare not go in order to experience living waters in the desert. May we be called beyond our boundaries by the Spirit, so we may be saved by those we may not like but need. And may we continue to live with the good news of the queerness of God. And as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.